Welcome back, everyone. A uh, few false starts here. This is actually our second time trying to record this episode. Uh, we're back, though, t- this week with album number 106, which is Live Through This by Hole. And not as I read it initially, live through this. Uh, yeah. Or through uh, this, lip- an album by live. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Ben, I think I mentioned to you another time that it, it bugged me because we grew up in Canada with the, the legendary Canadian band Tragically Hip. And, um, That's right. In the late 90s, they released a live album, which I think was their first live album, which contained so many of their hits. So we were uh, we were all for it. And it was called uh, Live Between Us. Yes. <laughs> Not Live Between Us, Live Between Us. But it's because, and the photo of the album was graffiti that was in their hometown that was put there by their... Uh, an early member of their band who left the band or was kicked out of the band or something and he graffitied the wall in an alley that said the hip live between <laughs> us and then they took a picture of that and that was the title of their live album live between us <laughs> so i think that is messing with my brain when i read this but it is in fact live through this <laughs> by whole um, yeah. you want to just do some details ben we'll get right into this I think that's a good way to start. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. Give some context for this album. So, Live Through This, released April 12th, 1994, and this was Hole's second studio album. Um, all tracks were written by uh, band leader, front person, Courtney Love, and Eric Erlinson, who's the lead guitarist, uh, except for... A couple tracks that were co-written, um, or Doll Parts was only written by Love, and Credit in the Straight Road was written by another guy. Okay. Um, and there's another one where they had um, a, another co-writer, but most of them are written by that duo. Uh, I'm gonna make. I'll comment a little bit about the writing later because there's some some other notes on that um charted number 13 in the uk number 52 in the u.s number 29 in canada the album debuted on the u.s billboard 200 at number 55 eventually peaking at number 52 in january 1995 so about nine months after it came out during its 68 week stay 68 weeks on the charts not bad um in December 1994, the record went gold, having sold a total of half a million copies, and went platinum six months later for having sold one million copies. As of t- 2010, the album had sold more than 1.6 million copies in the United States. So in 26 years, <laughs> it sold 1.6 million copies, but it did a million wow. of that in the first uh, <laughs> in the first like year which is really interesting like everybody was into it and then no one was into it not no one but you get the point um and well over two million copies worldwide 
is it also achieved platinum status in Canada and Australia? Now, Canada platinum is only what a hundred thousand. Is that right? Uh, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, hundred thousand. Whereas in the states, platinum is a million. Makes sense. There's ten times more people down there. Uh, down because I live in Canada, uh, and it's <laughs> and it's south. <laughs> Doesn't mean right. anything else. Right. Um, yep. A couple notes here, and this is pretty significant. So. I guess I want to make some general comments about whole because it's often considered that Courtney Love and her persona and her her depiction in the media and her different issues that gain notoriety always overshadowed the band and mm-hmm. always kind of took center stage over whole as a band. That is an opinion uh, that's shared. Uh, an opinion nonetheless so the band is doing great things and Courtney Love is co-writing with Eric Erlinson but really it, the, 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 the media the attention is always on her and of course her very famous husband Kurt Cobain um, lead singer Nirvana and she is also I think I'm taking some liberty saying this trying to prove herself as a musician and not just uh, the rock and roll girlfriend of That's right. a very famous rock and roller, right? So I think there's some of that too. I'm speaking for her, but I think that's true. Um, now, Kurt Cobain died one week before this album came out. And there have been rumors when the album came out and uh, all the way to today, although the band and Courtney Love and others have, have refuted this, is that Kurt Cobain was a ghostwriter. For the album that hmm. he was involved in writing it um, and it wasn't credited for it uh, Courtney Love, Eric Erlinson, and lots of other people have said no that didn't happen, he was involved um, he was in the studio a few times did some backing vocals for a couple songs I think is even credited uh, for doing that, but they've said no he wasn't a ghostwriter for the album, but that still has persisted as a rumor and of course since he passed away a week before the album came out, he can't really confirm or deny that. Right. <laughs> um, uh, we'll go back just a little bit. Um, this is their second studio album. They released their first album, Pretty on the Inside, 91, so three years earlier. Despite moderate sales, the album was critical success among English and American press. Um, and then in March 1992, following the album tour, the drummer and the bassist... Uh, for the, the original drummer and bassist, they left due to artistic differences. So, in 93, the band recruited former janitor Joe bassist Kristen Pfaff, P-F-A-F-F, an accomplished cellist and classically trained musician who brought a new level of professionalism to the group. So, we're without even talking about the music yet, we're seeing how this this album is taking a different direction yeah. from the first album. And that that is something that you'll see in reviews the critics say constantly about this album that it was very different than their first album and going in a, in a much different direction um, unfortunately this was the only whole album to feature bassist Kristen Pfaff uh, and the final album to be released during her lifetime as she died two months after the album came out I believe a drug overdose um, I didn't write that down I read that but I believe that's why it doesn't matter. It was tragic. Um, and so we see that uh, this album is fraught with tragedy. 
Um, there's a lot of tragedy yeah. surrounding this album, and um, obviously none of that was intentional because it had been written before these things had happened. These two people passed away, uh, but you see some some themes that I think pair with that tragedy on this album. Uh, Live Through This marked a departure from the band's noise rock roots towards a more radio-friendly rock format. We hear that in this album, Ben, uh, more melodic um, attempts, uh, both instrumentally and lyrically, or vocally, rather. Um, And finally, just one more note here. The lyrics and packaging reflect Love's thematic preoccupations with themes of beauty, motifs of milk, motherhood, anti-elitism, and violence against women, while Love derived the album title from a quote in Gone with the Wind. I assume either the book or the movie or both. Uh, <laughs> so that's just an interesting juxtaposition of this kind of this kind of punky, angry, grungy yeah. music, yeah. but also these these very relevant and I would say still very relevant themes and then pairing it with, you know, a very classic piece of art. Uh, so you get a lot. I find this album is full for me, full of juxtapositions, full of dichotomies. Yeah. Um, things that are uh, contradictory or opposed or opposite of each other, but work together in concert on this album. And that that is something I appreciate very much about it. Uh, that's a lot of info. Um, I'm sure there's lots more info you can look into. We don't. We don't do the whole nine yards on all of these. Uh, ben, any other comments about the background or historical notes before we move on to the album cover artwork? Uh, just to say, you know, pressing play on this had some, I, I, almost a, in a flashback kind of way. I, I'd never spent any time really with Hole, although I discovered that there were a few of the radio hits that I did know. But this one really transport transports the listener back to that early 90s grunge nirvana era um just the way that it sounds and the way that it's trying to express something um that's different than the way punk does uh but man you can almost feel the like ripped jeans and flannel uh shirts when you press play on this one in a in a pretty intense way and um uh, yeah, I like I like what you said about the dichotomies too. I think we'll get into that a little bit, including um, our conversation here in just a second about the album cover too. So uh, yeah, why don't why don't we transition to that? <laughs> um, yeah, so the album cover. Uh, describe it very briefly. I'll read a little bit about it as well. But it is um, there's a a woman on the front. She's got a crown on, bouquet. So this looks like a beauty pageant. Uh, she takes up most of the the, the image. This is a whole image, no border or anything. The background is kind of a purpley um, velvet curtain, you know, mm-hmm. as if she's on a stage. Uh, and then in uh, there's a a kind of a icon in an oval, or it's an icon. Um, uh, the the logo rather hole is like a logo. Right. Uh, I'll read about that a bit. Almost sounds like a surf lip, rock uh, look. That that oval. Logo yeah, there. a little bit. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, and I want to read this. Uh, this is a description of it, but I think it helps. Uh, fashion model Leilani Bishop is shown on the cover of the album, shot by photographer Ellen Von Unworth, dressed in beauty pageant attire with a tiara 
and a bouquet of flowers, with mascara running down her eyes in tears of joy. Uh, Courtney Love stated in an interview that she, quote, wanted to capture the look on a woman's face as she's being crowned. This sort of ecstatic blue eyeliner running kind of, I am, I am, I won. I have hemorrhoid cream under my eyes and <laughs> adhesive tape on my butt, and I had to scratch and claw and bleep my way up, but I won Miss Congeniality, end quote. Yeah. The band logo introduced on the front cover of the album we talked about the top right corner shares stylistic similarity to the contemporary Mattel Barbie logo Um, so the other thing that that I pieced together I don't know if this is intentional the opening track and one of the uh, I didn't talk about the singles but it was one of the singles uh, is Violet and we see uh, in the the curtain and the logo is is a light purple or violet Mm. so that's kind of uh, interesting as well it's kind of. Do you remember this cover, Ben? I, from growing up, is I one don't. Familiar? Um, it's funny. The uh, the quick glance with the the violet color and the beauty queen. Um, if you if you don't look a little closer at the running makeup and the the tension in the image, I imagine um, you might assume this was. A different kind of album i like i I think this is the same era as the spice girls right where like glamour and femininity is on display in uh, a pretty significant way um you know it'd be really funny to to think about the uh uh unfortunate folks who picked this album up expecting it to be a, a slice of sort of uh girl power pop and uh discovered it was much more angsty uh and much more uh, conflicted and angry um, but I, I love that contrast and I think it fits well with what you've already said here that you can see some pain in the midst of the sort of glossy attempt to to sell um, you can see some pain there and I think the album in, if, if what's true about their transition to try and be more radio friendly is, is really trying to do that as well you know let's, let's polish this a little bit more make it a bit more radio friendly and um you know, this is this album could be misconstrued, but actually, I think upon further inspection, it's it's pretty spot on for for what we have to listen to here tonight. Yeah, and um, trying to think back to the '90s and being a teen, I, I remember Celebrity Skin, which was the album that came after this. I remember some of the songs. Uh, I remember the album cover. Um, that's more what I remember because I would think I was more into music okay. then. In this came out in '94. Okay. Um, I will say, and as we're kind of moving to music here, as I I looked at the the track list before we started, before I started listening to it, I was like, yeah, I don't know any of this. I know I know Celebrity Skin, uh, you know, I, I know that, but I don't know this. But as I pressed play, like I knew fi- the opening track, Violet, right away. Uh, Miss World. There was another one that um, I can't remember which one. Doll Parts, I think. I think Doll Parts, yeah, because yeah, I think yeah. that's another single um, that I I was like, oh yeah, I, re- I remember this for sure. So I, it was obviously in the zeitgeist of what I was listening to yeah. on the radio. I remember going to a friend's place and it being on Much Music or the radio or something. Um, okay. Uh, you know, which would have been yeah, ninety four, ninety five. So. Um, it was there and I remember it, but uh, never really got into this band. Like, never never had the albums, never listened to them. 
Um, yeah, and in 94, we were 12. So, you know, maybe this kind of angst and uh, overdramatic uh, attitude wasn't necessarily something we were quite yet into. <laughs> yeah. I always have a hard I mean, time with how, how... Years later. But... Yeah, I always have a hard time with how old I was in any year. The math, I always have to take one away because I was 12 for for two weeks of 1994. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a very late birthday. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, you know, at, at 11, 12 years old, you're not really... Well... I don't know about now. <laughs> Maybe more so now because you have access to everything. You know, you, when you're that age, back in in our day, and certainly any time before, if you don't have the means or someone who's willing to to buy the the music for you, uh, you don't have it. You have to own it. Right. You right. have to have a physical copy. Uh, now you don't. The 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 history of this planet's entire music is in the palm of your hand <laughs> um so anything you want to listen to is there uh, for the most part so um i think kids are able to uh access more music younger and therefore create yeah. their uh their tastes maybe a little younger but also be on the be on the cusp, the cutting edge. If they choose to, or if that's interested, they can follow what's happening and what's being released. And yep. oh yeah, this is coming out tomorrow, and be in on that. Whereas we, we really weren't not at that age. Yep. yep. Is that fair? Is that fair to? Is that a fair judgment? I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah. I. I mean, yeah. Fair. Whatever's fair is uh, is relative. I'm. I'm embarrassed to think about how I probably perceived whole. Um, I mentioned when we talked about Alanis Morissette that I, I had a pretty strong bias as a teenage boy against female artists, and <laughs> I probably would have dismissed Courtney Love and Hole um, as something not worth my time. Um, mm. Rather than hearing the angst or the the um, the power in her storytelling voice and, and appreciating it, I would have just dismissed it uh, for a very patriarchal kind of uh, unfortunate attitude <laughs> yeah yeah I I remember talking about that with you uh, with the Lennox Morissette and we, we were we I don't want to rehash the, all that but we struggled with where did that come from you know and and why were we why were we like that and and even there's still a bit of a sometimes a, a knee-jerk reaction to some of it um yeah. now but i think for the most part i'm able to to listen to music and um ingest art much more unbiased i hope <laughs> than Hopefully. uh yep. yeah than than i used to um but i think that for me I kind of like some of the edgy stuff. Like, I never really went on and bought it, but like this, what was the other band? Veruca Salt. Um, uh, you guys made fun of me. I once bought a Biff Naked album. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, it, and, and, but that's the thing, too, and I'm not being critical, but like, I remember that. I bought it, and you know, yeah. everyone was like, why? What are you getting that for? You know, what, and it didn't matter. Like, well, I, you know, I think the music's kind of cool like no and and i'm not i'm making yep. up 
conversations right but but i remember that yeah yeah for sure (laughs) um and and i'm not like i'm not saying i'm not upset by it but i do remember like that was a real thing and and i think um i certainly wasn't getting kind of the poppier like i wasn't into sort of the pop female art but but the Mm -hmm. the music that i liked i think i was able to break free from that a little earlier and going if i liked it i liked it it didn't matter um you know which is which is good but uh yeah this i liked this kind of stuff but just not enough to ever um spend my money on it (laughs) at the time (laughs) um i will say this and we'll, we'll talk about this moving to the music i will say that uh, i listened to this a few times in preparation but after listening to the whole album through or even most of it i felt i i didn't feel good like this Mm, music doesn't make me feel good and i'm not saying that all music is supposed to make you feel good that's not what i'm saying uh or that music is not uh good music if you don't feel good after because because there's different purposes for all different music and it's not all supposed to make you feel good necessarily uh however for just what i want to listen to right now uh, that's not what i want uh and this you know i feel that i feel that anger the angst which which is i'm glad she's writing about it she's frustrated or or she she's sorry she's speaking to different different uh, issues here uh very prominent maybe even and, the 12 year old boy that wouldn't listen to her <laughs> maybe right and um you know it's just not uh it's not what i want to ingest musically right now yeah so that was a challenge because even i was going to listen to it one more time today and i i started it up and i was like nah i don't really want this right now um, yeah. And that is not a reflection on the music. This is a reflection of like I'm, you know, I'm a middle-aged man now. I guess uh, <laughs> I don't always want this, <laughs> this type of thing. But it's um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'll talk more about you know what the music is to me. But but what what about you? Did you did you have a similar feeling when listening to it, or did you really really like it? Like what? Yeah. How did you feel listening to this? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning that we made one effort to record this review and um, couldn't get the sound files to download properly uh, and had to re-record. So this is our second time through this conversation uh, a week later. And uh, right. it it's hard to go back to. I was ready to be done with this music. Um, not because... Right. And, and it did two things. I, I mentioned earlier that it felt very familiar, like being transported back to that '90s grunge era. Huh. Um, but the 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 pain, maybe, or the emotion in this songwriting, um, the sometimes the visceral anger that you can hear, I didn't want to right. dwell yeah. there. And and, mm. I, and maybe it is a sign of middle-aged fatherhood <laughs> or. Um, the fact that I listen to James Taylor and uh, Jackson Brown and Cat Stevens far more than I do um, angry rocker music these days. But I, I was ready to be done and kind of like nice. a little bit sad to have to re- revisit it so soon <laughs> to, uh, to hop on again and, uh, and, and have this conversation. So, yeah, I, I resonate a lot with what you're saying there. It feels to, like it kind of contradicts the oh, I should have given this more time when I was younger sentiment, <laughs> but, but maybe also just not where I am these days. Like you said. 
Yeah, and, and I think that's the difference, too, when you're able to appreciate something. I think you yep. and I have both shown that we appreciate this. And we've that's talked right. about this in many other albums where we're going, I recognize, I appreciate what a great work of art this is. I recognize why so many other people like it. It's not right. my thing. Right, um, right. And, yeah. and that's the same way here. And I think, I think again, in different circumstances, maybe 14-year-old or maybe... 16 or 18 year old me would have liked this a lot more um, yeah and would have would have been into this a lot more because i was into a lot of music like this and i liked that kind of you know aggressive ah, get it all out kind of thing um but <laughs> yeah. now even though that's not yeah i'm i'm in the the james taylor jim croce uh, gordon lightfoot Joni mitchell yep. camp that you're in now and that's <laughs> kind of those are the those are the things that really um that really feed my my soul at right now like in terms of uh, just reflection or just listening to music yeah. quietly or, yeah. or it, those are the things that i i crave you know the beatles and, and other things that's that's what i want right now um but i still appreciate this and i think there's a lot of people who really need this type of expression and it's yeah. so important especially you know there are so many it feels like there are much more young women in music now doing very well and paving the way for more and more young women. So I really have to give credit to not just Courtney Love, but the other women in whole for, you know, really paving the way. Absolutely. Um, in, a, in a tough time. And there were many women before them uh, who did the same for them. Uh, we talked a bit um think we've talked in nirvana about a band called bikini kill which is another kind of punk grunge band i think in the late 80s and i know they they influenced this band i believe that was it courtney love or uh or kurt cobain was did he date somebody from bikini kill oh maybe i don't know or so, so but i think that i think it was somebody they were on a date or they're doing something and and that's um that's where it smells like teen spirit came from because some one of the girls was wearing ah. and that was a the brand of a of a deodorant i think that's the story anyways i think that bikini huh. kill has something to do with that or one of courtly loves friends was in i don't know i'm butchering that story but <laughs> but um i yeah. know that that uh i know it influenced them for sure yeah um this is a bit of a, no. a similarly maybe disjointed tangent, but I, I finished um, Carrie Brownstein's biography uh, a few months ago, and uh, and she is uh, of Portlandia f fame, at, at least was to me. But those in the oh, okay. in the indie rock uh, world know that she was uh, part of Sleaterkinney, and and she talked okay. a lot about yeah. Bikini Kill and and how much of an influence it was. Uh, especially in the Pacific Northwest, to, to people like her who are starting out and trying to find their voice, and um, yeah, it it, it, it all kind of comes together. The more we study the history of music, the history of American rock, the history of um, all these different genres that, that kind of branch out of it, it, it is fascinating to see to see the way that they are all related in some way, build off each other. Absolutely. So. Um... I'm I'm appreciative of this music. There there certainly are aspects of it that I really like that I enjoy, but it's just not what I want right now. Um, yeah, and I'm thankful that that they created this music. 
um, to, again, to kind of pave the way for, for women in music specifically. Um, yeah. I, my kind of overarching thought was something like this. It's a unique contrast of angsty punk yell singing and beautiful melodies weaved between edgy guitar riffs and soft ry- rhythmic sections. So, like I said at the beginning of this, there's these dichotomies here. Mm-hmm. Uh, contrasting sounds and styles and musical techniques and approaches and that I found very interesting and compelling and I like yeah. that where yeah. you get some really just some screamy yell songs and then some softer really quite pretty songs so yeah. um, uh, I think it showed uh, really a maturing and um uh, growth and advancement in in Courtney Love and her song writing partners' uh, ability to write good songs and and to improve in that and do uh, to do much better than they'd done before and a lot of the kind of reviews and and sort of the the reception of this was that it really the critics really felt that this was Courtney Love being able to say especially if the rumors weren't true about Kurt Cobain being a ghostwriter, uh, for her to be able to say, like, I am a songwriter and a star uh, in my own life. I'm mm-hmm. not just yeah, right. the w- wife of the biggest, you know, new star in rock and roll, which he was at the time. Um, so, you know, that it's for so many more reasons other than this. It's so sad that he that he passed away because um, it would have been really beautiful to see them be a couple that could both make incredible music independently of each other, that it wasn't her having to kind of ride on his coattails, that she Mm -hmm. was a brilliant, a brilliant uh, musician and, and creator in her own right. Right. Which she is and was, but, um, you know, there's always going to be that comparison, unfortunately. Yeah, um, whether she brought this on herself or not, I, I don't know. Maybe this is another sign of the, the the downside of patriarchy. But she was also kind of classified as a, a head case drama queen, you know, yeah. <laughs> things like that. And I think that yeah. does something to her, her reputation kind of colors the way that we view her in hindsight as well. Even Absolutely, moment, and yeah. yeah, and let's not let's be clear. She did have a lot of drama yeah. <laughs> and attracted a lot of drama, and did have issues. Like we're not saying that that's not true. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that that. And even in, even now, our talk has has really revolved around her, yeah, uh, yeah. and not yeah. around the band, right? Which I mean, you get that with you know even with other bands where it's like it's a band, but there's really one person who's doing. A lot of the heavy lifting. Um, What's the other band, My Bloody Valentine, where the lead guitarist like wrote all the stuff and even played the bass? Yep. In yep. in the recording and the bassist, she was like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like, like, <laughs> like it. I think we have a knee jerk reaction to say because in other bands we think about Pink Floyd or or other bands where even the Beatles. Um, where the other members like get very defensive um, 
Van Halen, you know, because an, another artist says, you know, no, 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 I want it done like this, and they do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whereas right. Um, it's not always an issue. That's the point I'm making that, you know, it's not necessarily an issue that um, one artist kind of takes the, does the heavy lifting. Sure. Um, anyways, I feel like I've been talking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I feel like we're getting through a lot of the music. Ben, what what else? Is there anything else you want to add here about the music or the songs or anything? I guess we need to pick our favorite songs. Yeah. Um, um, do you do you want to jump to that? I don't know what else to add. I'm I'm feeling uh, some relief, I guess, that we're that we're ready to move on from this one. But but also some um, uh. I don't know, maybe some soul searching that I, I need to maybe spend some time thinking about what it is about this moment in time that, that makes me fatigued from this kind of music. Mm. Um, and, and, and wonder what that's about, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see here what we decide with these, uh, favorite tracks because, um, it's an album we have mixed feelings about. <laughs> Yeah, so um, do you have one teed up, or do you want me to, to go first? Go for it. Oh, man, I'm, I'm struggling between two. Um, so I'll tell you my two, and then if one of them is yours, then I'll just pick the other one. Okay. But if it's not yours, then I have to pick one. So it's really it's the first two tracks, Violet, um, which is, I think, the one I remember the most, and Miss World which is the second track. And I really like that one because she's very deliberate in her vocal delivery. Um, and I, it's kind of like this, the notes kind of, tr they bend and kind of trail off. Yeah. But it's, it's intentional. Like it's not just that she can't sing. She's, she can sing well. And uh, it, it's such an interest. And, and also, you know, we taught, we've talked about how much, there's so much chorus effect <laughs> oh, yeah. on this album yeah i think and, we spent and, and a and bit more time that. on that when we, we when we had our conversation originally but yeah that yeah that and, theme of of flipping the switch from chorus guitar oh, to the over uh distorted Overdrive, yeah uh, or over yep. yeah so so such a symbol of this moment in time but they really make heavy use of it on this album <laughs> yes but i mean i we've also discussed you know I remember a time in the 2000s, you know, playing around with guitar and, and turning on chorus and going, oh, that's so cheesy. It's so overdone. Yeah. And then more recently, listening back to stuff in the 90s going, man, it was everywhere. Yeah, like, it was. No wonder <laughs> I thought it was overdone, overdone because it was very popular and very uh, that's that's what people were using. You listen to like so many songs but you know yeah uh, Soundgarden, black hole sun yep. which is just like just tons of it in the chorus and yep. so much nirvana um you know the chorus uh was was such a a, a popular effect but yep. it was really uh uh common and mm -hmm. and and obviously people liked it or they wouldn't have kept selling records okay. so yeah lots <laughs> lots of chorus um yeah anyways yeah i it, were you gonna pick one of those or do you have something else you're, no you're gonna go with miss world one of those first two. <laughs> I'll go Miss World. I'll pick Miss World. Then. I'll pick okay. Miss World. Sounds good. Does that I, mean you're picking Violet? No, I think I'm going to go with Softer Softest. Um, oh. Because I think it, it has this, uh, exactly what we're talking about, of the flip switch from 
uh, starting out right, with a slower yeah. <laughs> chorus guitar, and then uh, when they really want to push the point across, uh, uh, punch that distortion pedal. And, and man, yeah. you know, if you've ever played electric guitar and had a foot switch, it does feel good. <laughs> it does yeah, feel good. Sure. It's just to to play you know and stomp that switch and the the other channel is like turned up a lot more and uh the the rest of the band jumps in yeah it's it feels real good (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh okay so miss world and softer softer so no violet uh although the honorable mention sure maybe Uh, the song that most people know from this album anyway so uh, i think probably 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 Okay, so I think that's a good segue <laughs> as we talk about what what has aged well and what hasn't. Um, chorus effect? <laughs> yeah, and maybe. I think maybe grunge in general. I, I think I pushed back on you and Rob when, when we were talking about... Um, Nevermind. Nirvana's Nevermind, yep. That yeah. uh, it, in our minds as people who grew up then, it, it ages well because we remember you know headbanging along to the music and jumping around but I, I wonder if it just to people who were not of that era if it if it really does feel dated and and, and aged uh, I, I'm starting to maybe this is middle age hitting me now I'm starting to feel more and more like it is a sound unique to that time and not something that people are really trying to embody these days and so i i I actually don't think it is aged too well um not that it's not valuable or interesting or something to consider how it fits in the longer line of of uh of rock history but um yeah i think what has aged well is is the attitude the feeling the the kind of brave ability to tackle difficult issues uh with such confidence and and uh forcefulness i think a lot of the sounds the the vocal delivery i think and and again people are still critical of of women in music um i think still a little more than men unfortunately so especially with the advancement of singing shows like American Idol and The Voice and The X Factor where we're, we are critical. You know, gone are the days where you could have a Bob Dylan or or even a Patti Smith or Courtney Love um, who could sing in a different way. Now we want that, you know, very polished, poppy, powerful vocalists. We want the yeah. Adele's, the yeah. Kelly Clarkson's, the Lizzo's, the Taylor Swift's, and so many more um, who just have this incredible vocal ability and not necessarily this sort of homegrown. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, Courtney Love, uh, you definitely hear her vocal quality on this album. And, and it uh, perhaps with some technological help it it even gets more polished as we get into subsequent albums certainly their next one celebrity skin so i think that that as an age well only because we don't really but we never really listened to there wasn't a lot of music that did that uh anyway so it was kind of an anomaly that this was successful because sort of one of a kind uh 
yes, the chorus effect and some of that, but but I think you know that distortion, that kind of punchy stuff is still good. So um, I think the idea and the lyrics and the personality of the music has aged better than the music itself. Is that kind of a kind of a hot take? But I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is album number 106. 106 best album um, ever. Uh, if you had told me, you know, in the mid-90s <laughs> that this was going to be the case, um, I don't think I would have been on board at all. <laughs> what do you, what, but what do you think about it now? <sighs> um it's fascinating to me to me that uh you know we're what are we we're more than 100 albums deep here and uh this is just the second grunge album to show up on the list uh something yeah you know that's a good point uh, i mean i i know uh this this list is does a much better job of being inclusive to uh female artists and i'm i'm glad hole is one of the two bands here um but it, it's sort of interesting it makes me wonder if we had a, a real true whole fan if they would be able to articulate why historically speaking this album is so important like who it influenced and how it influenced and how it got uh, women interested in music because i think that those would all be reasons to hold it here in this place um i don't i don't love this album so from a personal standpoint, I, I would be fine with it falling down. But I hesitate to to quickly say that because I wonder if there's something here that that I just don't know about. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it, it does a lot. And, and um, yeah, we haven't talked about that much, but that's true. Like, there's so many new additions to this list and... Uh, so much more hip hop, but the grunge, there really isn't like there's Nirvana. I, I would maybe put, maybe put my bloody Valentine in that category. We've talked about that. One of their albums, but we haven't done anything yet from Pearl jam, stone temple pilots, Soundgarden, smashing pumpkins, you know, all the great grunge albums from the early nineties. Like we haven't done any of that yet. Um, and I think that at least some of those are on. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and to have this, I think, is saying something to have this ahead of some of those other very successful bands and albums that I just mentioned. So, um, uh, I think I've mentioned or will mention at some point, I may as well say it now, that the further away from number one we get, I feel like the less invested I am in <laughs> in the ranking. Yeah, yeah. Where I used to be like, oh, you know, I'd have it five higher or five lower. Now I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> uh, I think it should be on the list, but I don't really care where it is. You know, like it's almost like, um, but I do, f I don't know. I, I don't think I'd put this much higher if given the choice. Um I think it is an important album. I think it's a good album. Yeah. Um, but I, even if it was bumped a hundred lower, like if it was, you know, 206, uh, that would, that would be okay with me again, yeah. not to say that it's yeah. bad. Right. Right. But, uh, I, I just don't, I think there's some other albums that, that I maybe would have wanted to hear 
yeah. first um, before this, but uh, it's fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not upset about it. No biggie. No. <laughs> no, we talked about biggie already. Um, okay, so uh, this is another thing that I think is happening more now than it did the first 100 albums that we talked about. Is uh, are there any other art? Are there other albums from this artist on the top 500? And I think more we're saying more no <laughs> uh, as yeah. we get further further away from number one. So no, this is the only they released. I think total four or five albums in their career, and this is the only one. So uh, that's it for our discussions about Hole. Unless <laughs> we talk about it in another album. <laughs> yep. Uh, any final comments, Ben, before we wrap it up? I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a nice nostalgic journey to go back in time to this yeah, uh, sure. moment in time that we remember uh, rather than some of these mm-hmm. albums from the yeah. 70s and 60s that, that we just don't. Um, we weren't born and, for. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, to, to enjoy it in that kind of way has been fun. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, maybe or embarrassingly, I'm I'm ready to be done and move on. <laughs> yeah, and that's, especially that's okay. second time through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us what we have coming up next episode. Yeah, we're excited uh, to be tackling an album that I think neither of us have any familiarity with. Uh, we're shifting to number 107 on the Rolling Stone Top 500 album list. Um, that'll be Marky Moon by Television. Until that time, we hope you continue to be well. We hope you continue to take care of yourselves and those close to you, those important to you. And of course, we hope you'll join us again right here on the SoundLogic Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.